Good morning again. Helen and Shane, Jim Sewer. Twice in the last year or so, I've surprised and perhaps disappointed you by appearing here when you were expecting someone else. <laughs> Chris Garland once, and uh, Kath Bremner another time. Today, again, the team have had to go to the bench and call up the subs. And my apologies for that. However, this morning, unlike the other times, I am a little more like the person that I'm subbing for this morning. Definitely here, <laughs> but perhaps not here. Enough. The kingdom of God, a complex concept when you think about it. Living in the kingdom now, and all that means, even more complex. Foundational understandings to our faith, but quite difficult to understand and difficult to share. Difficult to share even with our unlimited resources, scripture, expert commentaries, Mr. Google. Now consider an even harder situation. How do you explain that to a group of people who are going to spread that message to the world? How do you do that when you have only a very limited time before you are taken away? That's the challenge that Jesus faced. He responded by using what he had and what he knew. The society of which he was part, the world about him, and his use of imagery. Jesus was a skilled wordsmith and an expert storyteller. And it's fascinating to see how he used that in his ministry. He used examples of things which ordinary people understood. Sheep and shepherds, salt and light, yeast and bread, and last week, wheat and weeds. Things related to everyday life. His disciples asked him in today's reading, why do you use parables? when you talk to the people? And it's a question we may well ask. We've heard a number of parables and we're going to hear a few more over the next few weeks. Well, Jesus might well have said, because that is the way we do it to help people understand. That's the way we teach. That's how we do it around here. Parables were a normal part of society in Judaism. It's a society with a very significant oral tradition. Parents used them. Rabbis shared them. Friends recounted them. And there are examples in the Old Testament. We heard of one read today from 2 Samuel 12. Confronting a king with his sins was a dangerous, often fatal task. So when Nathan was sent by God to call David to account for his adultery with Bathsheba, and the murder of her husband Uriah, he presented it in a less challenging way. He used a parable, the parable of the poor man's lamb stolen by the rich man. All parables have a deeper meaning than what appears obvious, a meaning that's only clear to those who look more closely. While we understand what Nathan is saying to David, 
that in taking Bathsheba, he is as guilty as the man who stole the lamb. David didn't get it at first. Instead, he was angry at the injustice of it, and he demanded to know who was the guilty person so he could be punished. It was then that Nathan confronted him with the truth. You are that man. The dictionary says that a parable is a story with an analogy. It's an allegory. And it comes from the Greek para, meaning to cast or to throw, and balo, meaning beside. So we have two meanings side by side. The simple one, and beside it, the deeper meaning. So there's a surface meaning which many understand. In Nathan's example, it's terrible for the rich man to steal the poor man's only lamb. And underneath that is the deeper meaning which either had to be revealed or which those with discernment grasped immediately. So Jesus told parables to the people who responded in various ways. And Jesus explains this as he speaks to his disciples in today's reading. Some simply took it at face value. It was an interesting story with an obvious truth. In the case of the sower, which Howard spoke about recently, the sower whose seed falls by the wayside, some falls on stony ground, some among thorns, and some on fertile soil. The obvious message is, when you sow your seed, you need to be careful where you cast it. Good advice for a farmer. These are the people who, in verses 14 and 15, who listen but do not hear, who actually don't want to hear, who look but do not see, whose minds, their spiritual minds, are dull. For others, the parable made people think. What is the story, for example, of the wide and narrow gates. What's it really about? And no doubt, some grappled with it, perhaps even gathering some understanding of Jesus' deeper message, of the importance of living a life focused on God and avoiding the distractions of the wide road, the road of the world. These are the people who, in verse 12, who have something and who, through discernment and effort, will have much more. A few instantly realised what Jesus really meant, that when he said to them, he who is ears, let him hear, he was telling them to look beyond the immediate message to its deeper meaning. And in verse 11, he speaks of the disciples, to you whom the secrets of the kingdom have been given. Often the deeper message was a warning for those with ears to make a choice, as in the parable of the sheep and the goats in Matthew 25, or the wheat and the weeds of last week. The parables, there are almost 40 of them in the synoptic gospels, are wide ranging and they cover a number of topics. Many are about God's mercy and grace, of his merciless love, of his boundless love. Some, such as the ungiving servant, are about God's judgment. The parable of the two sons is about obedience. That of the two houses illustrates the importance of building one's life on godly foundations. All of them reflect in various ways the values of the kingdom, living them out in the world. 
all have a consistent message as in Isaiah and repeated in verse 15 today that those who seek after truth whose minds are open to God will turn to him and be healed. They'll be healed that they will find and be welcomed into the kingdom of God. After Jesus told the parable to the crowd, he often took the disciples aside and explained to them, not just so that they understood, which perhaps some of them already did, but so they'd remember the deeper spiritual meaning, reminding them in verses 16 and 17 how blessed they were, that their spirits were open to God, that they were seeing and hearing spiritually. They were hearing and seeing spiritually what the prophets and God's people wanted to hear but did not, knowing too that they would in time repeat the parable and its message as part of their teaching and record it for posterity. Parables were a normal way of communicating and keeping basic truths alive. And because of this, they were safe. Jesus doesn't say this as part of his, un his explanation but he was well aware that his every move was being scrutinised. Luke 11, 53 and 54 says, When Jesus left that place, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees began to criticise him bitterly and ask him questions about many things, trying to lay traps for him and catch him saying something wrong. You can be quite sure that there were spies in every crowd which assembled to hear Jesus speak and minister those who were there to find fault, to report back on what he said and did to the Jewish hierarchy. The normality of sharing a parable provided him with some protection. However, while it is true that the majority of the parables are intended to reveal deep spiritual truths to the disciples and shut out those who oppose Jesus, there are some which do the opposite. Those which convey a clear message to Jesus' enemies. These are those of the attendants in the vineyard in Matthew 21 and that of the wedding feast in Matthew 22. The latter, that about the wedding feast, closes with these words. Many are invited, but few are chosen. And the one about the vineyard, the chief priests and the Pharisees heard Jesus' parables and knew he was talking about them. So they tried to arrest him. The chief priests and the Pharisees got that message loud and clear. And unlike many of the parables which Jesus explained to his disciples, he doesn't do this with these two. Not because the message is just for the unbelievers, but also because one of them, the vineyard, speaks about the death of the son, an event which was still hidden from the disciples. It was hidden to prevent the disciples from hindering his death which was needed to fulfil prophecy and provide salvation. There's a simple question from the disciples. Why do you speak in parables? A very profound answer from Jesus. An answer for the disciples. An answer for us. Jesus spoke to his disciples so they might understand that they might grow spiritually and, they minister, and might minister. God speaks to us for the same reason, that we might understand, that we might grow spiritually and that we might minister. God speaks to us directly at times 
as he did to the young Samuel. At other times, deep within our spirit. At times, through the gifts of his Holy Spirit. Are we listening? Sometimes he speaks through the words and actions of others. Do we actively seek to interpret these messages? He speaks through scripture, such as these parables. What is God saying to us in the messages over recent weeks? What is he trying to teach us in the weeks to come? Are they just interesting stories? Or is there a deeper message? Is there a special meaning? Are our spiritual ears open? What is he saying to us as individuals? What is he saying to us as a church? What is he calling us to do? What is he calling us to be? When Jesus said, those who have ears, let them hear, he wasn't just speaking to his disciples then. He was speaking to us now. May God bless you in this coming week.